0: that's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Dw Group. were prohibited by loss. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: Hey, welcome to Anecdotal Notes, and uh, I'm one of your hosts, Pat Aiken. And I'm accompanied tonight by Steve Hyde.
2: Hey, how's it going, internet world?
1: And uh, you know, we're exploring the paranormal. If this is your first time tuning again, that's what we're about. We're about everything bizarre. And, you know, whether it's social uh, movements or ghosts or Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, UFOs, aliens, it doesn't matter. I mean, everything is open for discussion on anecdotal notes, and we welcome your input and emails to our podcast. Uh, <clears throat> I think tonight, at the end of the last episode, I talked about the case of the haunted hand mirror and what we're going to do is i'm going to let steve start it off tonight and in a thumbnail i mean a very quick little thumbnail sketch um this hand mirror was purportedly haunted and when i found out about it from steve i said well you know i've just absolutely got to evaluate whether or not this hand mirror is haunted and so you're basically hearing the first live report from our experimentation uh, mm-hmm. with the hand mirror. Now I'm going to turn it over to Steve and let Steve kind of bring you up to speed on the history of the hand mirror and how he obtained it, and then we'll talk about our experiences with the haunted hand mirror.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll admit that uh, I've... Uh, how long ago was that? Was it about a year or so, maybe even a little Probably
1: longer? Probably, yes, a
2: year. Yeah, it's a right at a year or so. My memory is a little fuzzy. But for those of you, probably most of you don't know, um, for quite a number of years now, probably between 15 and 20 years, I have dabbled in the antiques and collectibles business as a dealer and a picker. And I do a lot of estate sales, auctions, yard sales, picking thrift stores, antique stores, you know, just traveling around. And in the last couple of corporate corporations that I worked for, I had a chance to do a lot of traveling, and I would, I would do a lot of picking on, on my own time and when I left my last company and uh, before I'm, I'm working with uh, the outfit I'm working with now is uh... in between regular jobs I, was, I was began to do it full time and one weekend about a year ago I was going on my typical picking expedition and we had an, uh, a couple of estate sales lined up to go to that were local and I went to one of them. It was an older house, uh, older family. Had uh, a n- number of, I guess you'd say, uh, what, what uh, the pickers called uh, mid century modern, which is basically means the middle of the 20th century, 1940s to about the, you know, practically the early 1970s. And uh, so there was a house with some so older furnishings and, and knickknacks, and, and, or what we call smalls. And there was a, a, a couple of storage buildings outside. There was a barn that also had some, some things, like a little shop that people worked on, tractors and things. And this, this is a fairly rural, it wasn't a subdivision or anything. It was a fairly rural house. It had some, some really nice property on it. So I'm going in there, I'm looking through there, and it's the usual selection of, of what I would call you know, mid-century modern combined with what I euphemistically term early Walmart. <laughs> and so I'm looking through things and I'm going out in the barn, and they have a number of, of items like tools and things laid out on some tables out there. And I'm looking at some boxes, and I, I notice this old hand mirror sitting there. And it's a typical Victorian slash Edwardian silver plated ladies' dressing room, a hand mirror which basically consists of like a little handle that you would hold on to and then there's like a a nice little beveled edge mirror on one side and the other side would typically be stamped uh, a very ornate floral design or maybe like an image of 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 a woman or a fairy or something or, or, or typically uh, art deco or art nouveau type artwork on it and i looked at it and this one had been used and kind of bounced around. It looks like uh, the mirror was in fairly good shape. It had a little bit of loss of the silvering on the back. Um, it had a few dings and dents and bruises and loss of plating. Like, you know, it's, at some points in its life, maybe the kids have gotten hold of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're, they're not particularly valuable. They tend to be quite common because they were very popular in their day. A lot of them were used and a lot of them survive surprisingly. But they were a very common item to be found in the in the late Victorian and early Edwardian bedroom. And this particular one, I, I didn't get any weird vibes that I, when I picked it up. I, I kind of looked at so it was kind of interesting. And it happened to be the last day of the estate sale, so everything was on discounted price, and apparently nobody had, had shown any interest in it. So uh, I grew up in... And look around and pick up a couple of other items and I come back to the to the barn of the table and I'm, and I'm looking at it and one of the family members notices me looking at it and and uh, comes up to me and makes a, a statement like oh you're looking at the mirror and I'm saying oh it, yeah I was kind of interested oh did did uh, and this memory is kind of fuzzy but she made a statement like oh did mama tell you about it and, and I said, no, nobody's said anything to me about it. And she proceeds to tell me that the mirror belonged to a, an aunt, or, or great aunt, I'm trying to remember, that the family believe, believed was involved in some practiced some sort of witchcraft, or was into the, the type of what you call the Appalachian home magic, where... Where uh, there was a lot of uh, spells and incantations involved in healing and things like that, and uh, the mirror belonged to this 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 aunt, and she proceeded to tell me the story of that when this aunt died, the, the the aunt lived by their by herself in a house, and and when the aunt died, there were no other relations around who wanted to deal with it, so this family took it upon themselves to go over to to this lady's house and process the estate and get the affairs in order and all that and so while they were doing that they were going through the contents of the house and emptying out the closets and everything so okay well we're going to keep that we to get rid of that and is looking for important papers and like you always do in that situation and they came across this mirror and it was wrapped up in a closet in the bedroom where where this aunt stayed and uh she never the the girl never did tell me if they if they found any other implements of the classic implements of witchcraft like there was no grimoire there was no bowl for there you was know, no crystals or anything like that so it just this mirror but apparently from from what i got from from this girl and and when i when I bought the mirror from the lady at the at the register was that they believed this lady was was into witchcraft and was a at least in private a practicing witch and so the girl went on to tell me that when they went through the things and got everything out and they just kind of left things laying on the counters and on the bed and everything while they are going through it this mirror would like suddenly like disappear from where it was put and then would like reappear in another room in the house Mm -hmm. and so you would leave it laying on the bed and suddenly it would show up in the bathroom but there was nobody in the house to even mess with it And then, after a couple of days, there would be more like of a classic haunting. There's not no apparitions or anything like that, but you would hear things bumping around, and like you would hear footsteps or Mm -hmm. or things like that. And uh, but then you know, after a while, they they said, "Well, then the the uh, the sister, their mother or grandmother, who who was the sister of the aunt decided to you know, I'm.'" I've had it. I've just I don't know. I think it's got something to do with that mirror. I'm gonna wrap it up. I'm gonna stick it out there in that barn in a chest, and you know there it stayed. Now why, why they why they didn't just get rid of the thing entirely, I don't know. But they kept it, but they moved it out in the barn. And apparently once they did that, then it was wrapped up and and secreted someplace that all the activity stopped. And so that's what, And so I'm listening to all this, and I'm saying, oh, well, that's kind of intriguing. Sure. So and, and it was and the mirror was very cheap. It was only a few dollars. It wasn't in the best condition, and nobody else had any interest in it. So I take it up there, and I gather my other things that I'm going to buy, and I go up to the And if, if you've ever been in these estate sales, it's run by an estate company that, 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 that specializes in doing that. So you have the family, and also you have the employees of whatever estate sale company is doing it. So the estate sale company's got a little table with a cash register and the credit card machine, everything set up in front of the house. So I take up my things and I take up the mirror on there, and, and the lady that's running there. Oh, did they tell you about the mirror? Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah. Uh, one of the little girls at the barn came up, told me about it. She said, oh, do you still want to buy it? And it's, yeah, something I, I still have it. So, so I I bought it, and, and I took it home and got to, to examining it. It's a very typical. Like I said, a very typical late Victorian, early Edwardian ladies boudoir hand mirror uh silver plated over what appeared to be uh either pot metal or partly brass and it was the all the design was stamped into it it had a like a 1908 patent date and it had a maker's mark that I couldn't quite make out well, but
1: let me say to listeners yeah. photographs are
2: photographs uh, are wonderful they, i did have some photographs taken we may put some No, they're going to be on the they're website, going to be on the they website? They'll, yeah
1: they'll be able to go and take a look at this
2: thing yes you'll be able to see it for yourself but it's it, but it's, it's, it was it's a little bit beat up because you know the kids found it and they'd play with it over the – but uh, in its entire life it stayed outside of the house because the 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 matriarch of that family who lived in that house would not have it in the house you know once the activity started. So I had it for a couple of weeks or so, and I didn't keep it in the house. I kept it in my shop where, where I work on cars. and I'll admit I never got any strange vibes on it. nothing odd happened while I had it. But then I, I posted on my my Facebook page and I put some mirrors on it said, Hey, you know, in all my antiques, you know, dealings this is the first item I've ever mm-hmm. obtained that that had allegations of being haunted so I put posted some pictures of it. Oh, in this in this neat And then Pat contacted me and said, you know, I'd kinda like to, to, to play with that for a while.
0: Yeah, well
1: you know, <laughs> curiosity and cats and, Yeah. And I just I'll be honest, you know, I just couldn't stand when, yeah. when
2: I saw it, I said, wait a minute,
1: whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. You know, because the first thing is after we had talked about it uh. and you brought out the fact that basically this is an item that was less than $10 yeah. when you purchased it. Yeah. You know, if if somebody were really going to try to just give something a story, you know, it would be a lot smarter to have the haunted dresser. Yeah. Something where they're going to try to move the hard to move hundred and fifty dollar item not yeah. the five dollar item. Yeah. So that immediately intrigued me and I said, yeah. Well you
2: know. Or 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 the mirror would be like a hundred dollars instead of ten dollars because it's quote unquote haunted.
1: That's right. That's yeah. exactly right. But but everybody's like, you know, you really sure you want this thing. Yeah. You know, you, it's just it's five dollars, we'll just throw it away. You know,
2: Yeah.
1: but no. So, you know, you, you they were had, definitely
2: happy to see it out, go out the door. Let's put it right. that way.
1: And You know what? Uh, after the last year, I think maybe justifiably so. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Steve and I met at a, a, a central location, and we had the Great Mirror Exchange. And yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah. I started, and I, I took it back to, to the house and explained to Dr. Lynn that uh, there was now a haunted mirror residing in the house. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I know. There'd be a fly on the
2: wall for that. Right.
1: Well, no, you know, <laughs> she was actually pretty cool about it, considering, mm-hmm. you know, if you know, it had been like a haunted guillotine or something, there probably would have been some serious
2: <laughs> the, sc- the screaming skull or something like right, that. Right, <laughs> yeah, this is, this
1: is the screaming skull from hell, and it's yeah. like, you know, you got to get that out. Yeah. But, no, she was cool about it. So I brought the thing in, and we got a little area that is uh, sort of it was once a dining room uh-huh. but if if it weren't it was like a hobbit's dining room it, it was so small it's really probably <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: more for the know, dwarf
2: house <laughs> yeah
1: it, it's really more for you know like an office which yeah. is what it eventually became was an yeah. office and I, I, I do have all sorts of stuff crammed in there and uh, I said okay well I'm going to set the thing in here and keep it there. And if this is in fact haunting, mm-hmm. we're going to observe to see,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, what's going on. All right. Well, I and mean, this could be completely unrelated to the mirror, but I'm going to include it because, like I said, I like to when I I'm investigating something, I'm going to look at the totality of things. Mm-hmm. I'm not just going to try to bend it to, to suit whether or not the mirror's on mm-hmm. All right, We've been in the house now, we're really rapidly approaching 20 years.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, and let me add also that in the same room is where we have our two kennels for the Jack Russells. Mm-hmm. Okay? And I don't know if, if, if a person, a listener knows, I mean, a Jack Russell is a little dog, but he believes that he is an African lion. Yeah. He. We're, we're not talking about, you know, yeah. dogs that tuck their tail and run away. You yeah. know, they're, they're, they're tough little cusses. Mm-hmm. I right, So I put, you know, every night, you know, we've got them trained, so they go to their kennel, and we do all the, you know, night baby, you know, all mm-hmm. the stuff that, that mama does to mm-hmm. her fur babies, and they go in there and etc. But I, I placed it up on a shelf in there with them, and I kind of uh, thought, well, I don't know. I'm I'm moving from a point of skepticism, from a point of science. Uh I'm saying, well, you know, there's probably nothing to this. Uh First thing that started is in 20 years, we've never had any bats in the house. Hmm. But in the year since uh, we had the mirror, Uh we've had to catch and remove three or four bats out of the house for Uh some strange reason. Now, like Uh I said, that could be totally unrelated. Yeah. You know, but it's really a wonderful thing at 3 a.m. to get up. And in fact, we even just finally made like a, a little net on the end of a pole. Uh-huh. So we could catch a little bat. We don't hurt the bats. Yeah. We're, we're pro bat.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know,
2: bat lovers. Bat
1: lovers. We're bat lovers. <laughs> so we, we catch the bats and we take the bats outside and re release them to their normal environment uh-huh. and out of the house. That's probably the most normal. Uh, things that uh, have happened since then. Okay, Mm -hmm. the first uh, incident was probably only a couple of weeks after it was there. I heard a woman talking. The dogs were out of the kennel. Uh And it sounded distant like they were were speaking through water. Okay, I Mm -hmm. had my back Facing like in the living room, facing towards, you know how people ring their stuff around the television. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm sitting there, but I don't not really. I don't really watch that much TV. i, I listen to a lot of Pandora. Mm. At different things, I had that on low, mm. and I hear a woman talking. So I immediately get up, and go to the front door, and I'm looking out. Is there someone on the porch? Is there someone in the yard? Uh. Okay. So then I I heard it. It sounded distant. Uh Almost like they were, I don't know, just in another place. Like I was hearing through a pipe,
0: mm-hmm.
1: went through the house, never found the source mm-hmm. of the voice. Um, then the dogs started to barking, jag, mm-hmm. and on and off. I mean, at night I might hear what sounded like a conversation, and then the dogs would bark. Uh-huh. And that would go on for 30 minutes or something. It was bad enough because one of the dogs, I mean, Barkley, he's little, but he barks. His bark's like, I measured it one time, like 120 at 30 decibels. Yeah. He's got a big voice for a little dog. Mm-hmm. You know, going in, shh, what are you doing? What are you barking at? Mm-hmm. Look out. Do all the things that normal homeowners and dog owners do. Mm-hmm. Couldn't find it. Couldn't, you know. Now, The interesting thing is we moved their location where the dogs are. Mm -hmm. And since we moved the location, guess what has stopped?
2: Letting them out. The barking. The barking. Uh. The
1: barking has stopped completely Mm -hmm. dead since we moved them out of proximity. Uh. Uh, On three occasions, uh, you know how families are. I mean, you get in a routine. Mm -hmm. You eat dinner at a certain time. Things get prepared at a certain time. Mm -hmm. Uh, (coughs) I'll be... uh, you know, frequenting the back of the house, back to the living room. And on three occasions, Lynn would be in the kitchen area doing something, whether it was washing something or she was going to cook something. Mm-hmm. But she would have a conversation because someone was standing there in the living room where I had been. No. Except the problem was, I wasn't there. No. <laughs> I would come back and she'd say, you just ignored me. And I said, what are you talking about? She no. said, I was just talking to you and you just walked away. I said, oh, I was in the back, back there, at the back room. Uh-huh. This has happened on three separate occasions. Uh-huh. Uh, heard my name called twice in the house. Hmm. Lynn herself has heard uh, voices
0: before. Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, more incidentally, uh, this is all up till say the end of last August. It, it, by, by, This last August, I had decided that, you know what, these people weren't joking. The footsteps, heard footsteps, Mm -hmm. whatever. So once I basically had, uh, you know, gone through this evaluation process to see if anything was associated with a mirror, there's stuff associated with a mirror. And uh, so what I did was I took a blessed St. Benedict medal Mm -hmm. and some holy water, Mm -hmm. and I wrapped it up, put the Benedict medal on the mirror uh uh-huh. physically and uh sprinkle that thing with holy water uh-huh. and i've got it now wrapped up uh you know yeah. but waiting for you to take custody of it again. <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> uh,
2: okay anybody wants a haunted mirror contacts
1: <laughs> well, that's right i mean you it's really uh, like i said it, it, yeah. this lynn lease with me i wanted to Evaluate the mirror, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm telling you, at least in my case, these incidents, if in fact...
2: Did they cease when you did that? Yes. They did. Okay.
1: When I put the Benedict medal on and wrapped it up, Uh it stopped.
2: Yeah.
1: And we haven't heard anything since then.
2: Interesting. Because when I had it, I did not keep it in the house. I kept it out in the shop. Mm -hmm. Now, they could have... I guess they could have... If if there was any activity in the shop, I I never saw anything change around or anything. And if I'm not there, the only thing that's creeping around there is the occasional feral cat. Right. So. Uh,
1: and I don't they'd report anything.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if there was anything going on, if they were there, if there was a ghost back there, it was awfully lonely. So.
1: Yeah, you know what the thing is though. Uh, I get in it, and I've tried, mm-hmm. you know, very to be very objective in this, mm-hmm. but. The voice was feminine. Uh-huh. Uh, in the times that I've heard my name called, it was a feminine voice. Mm-hmm. And the odd thing is how garbled. Uh, it's hard to, to make someone. It's almost like they're trying to talk to you over a very loud aquarium. Yeah. And it's like there's interference, or there's there's yeah. something in between mm-hmm. the source of the voice in your ear. Yeah. Uh, but now, I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, I haven't felt any fear. haven't mm-hmm. had any kind of uh, evil feeling from mm-hmm. it. Yeah. But almost like just that, you know, there is...
2: Energy with it. Right. Yeah. Something
1: has come around on occasion. Yeah.
2: And that's something that you'll, in certain areas or in certain conversations, you'll hear... That that's something that comes up in the antiques and collectibles business is uh, you'll hear often stories about objects that have energies or spirits or something attached to them, especially older objects, because you know these objects have been around a long time. The the people who have owned them, you know, a lot of these objects, you know, particularly like that mirror, you know, it's 120, 130 years old, you know they came from a time when people valued their possessions much more than they do now um back then when you when you bought something you know of your hard-earned money it was an object that you could expect to keep for 30 40 50 years they you expe- to pass
1: down.
2: that's right i mean there was stuff that lasted from generation to generation and you know um I found things that indicate, you know, an entirely different way of looking at possessions and things you buy. Like, in, uh, and I posted on my Facebook page one time about a porcelain plate that were, that dated from the 1890s, and uh, it was broken, and actually put back together and repaired with metal staples. I mean, it was actually holes were drilled in and along the the broken parts. And metal staples were actually inserted to uh, to keep it together because people, I mean, even a porcelain plate, I mean, that you used for on the dinner table. I mean, if that thing shattered, I mean, you put it back together, glued it or wired or whatever, and you had a plate again.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And that was just the attitude. I mean, it's not like you just go to Walmart and buy another one.
1: Right. You things weren't disposable.
2: Yeah. And people were, I mean, you have the same objects that you use for time and time again, and because the financial considerations are just sheer availability that you had to repair the things and cherish the things that you had. I mean, it's not uncommon to hear stories of these old objects that come through that have attachments or spirits or something with them because people had them for so long, right. and their attitudes toward them are, are much different.
1: Well, you know, we live in a day and age, and I, I mean, sorry I'm not trying to be, you know, a... Uh, a downer mm-hmm. but I mean, people consider other people
2: disposable yeah I mean the entire world our, our entire culture is disposable right. I mean it's uh, I mean it's it's either disposable or obsolete so quickly that you know in a few months you know nobody even cares anything more about it I mean our entire world is is constructed like an iPhone I mean it, it has its useful life and you either break it or it goes obsolete you throw it away and get another one
1: Yeah, they're they're really, literally. Yeah, there is,
2: there is no spiritual, no emotional attachment or something. It's no, I don't know. I know very few young people now who cherish items that they receive from their parents or grandparents or anything like that. It's just their their attitude toward things like that is just totally different than what it was. Well, I mean prior you generations.
1: you consider this. You, you go to a, a big box retailer, mm. you buy a laptop computer. Yeah. Okay. Well the minute, even if you buy the top of the line laptop computer, the mm. minute you take it out of the store, the yeah. clock, the chronometer ticks. Yeah. And you probably got four years.
2: Yeah.
1: At the, at the outside, most before it's antiquated and mm-hmm. you really need a newer computer. And yeah. God forbid it breaks because mm-hmm. if it does it costs more to get it fixed now to send it away to have them repaired than it would be to just go back down to the retailer and just buy a brand spanking new laptop
2: yeah and it's planned obsolescence i mean even back in the 80s and the 90s when i was directly involved in corporate i.t i mean and i think it's still true nowadays i mean the average life expectancy of a hard drive is three years yeah that's, that's average. A lot of times it was less than that.
1: <clears throat> it's interesting. You brought, you jive my memory because there's another thing, and I, I failed to mention this, mm-hmm. and it concerns the dogs. Um, on two occasions during the time before I basically protected, put the, the metal, the blessed metal on the mirror, uh-huh. uh, you know, we have baby gates in the house. Mm-hmm. And it can be a pain in the foot, but I promise you, you Anyone out who, there who owns little dogs, or you just, you gotta treat them like a toddler. Yeah. You know, you gotta have them under control. Mm-hmm. You gotta limit their access to things. Mm-hmm. But from our living room, there's a central hallway that runs. Mm-hmm. And we have a baby gate there so that the dogs just can't get access to the back bedrooms mm-hmm. and those places. Mm-hmm. Um, three occasions, and Dr. Lynn uh, witnessed all three of these. Mm-hmm. One was in the daytime, two were at night. Now she witnessed two of them, but doesn't matter. The dogs began barking, mm-hmm. and they—my the, dogs will raise up on their hind legs like a rabbit. Mm-hmm. In fact, Gromit is almost bipedal if he wants to be. Mm-hmm. He can walk around upright. Mm-hmm. His sense of balance is so. Mm-hmm. Barking at something down the hallway. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, of course. Uh, we we were, like, kind of mystified. It's just us there, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And looking down the hallway, sometimes uh, we might have someone else in the house. But on the occasions I'm talking about, went back. I even mm-hmm. got up on two of the occasions. Mm-hmm. Uh, went back there. The first time, it was just like, you know, y'all are crazy. Mm-hmm. Who are you barking at? Shut up. You know, quit. Mm-hmm. This is so loud. Yeah. Then the other two, at the nighttime, I actually was like, okay, I'm a little spooked. Mm-hmm. Because they were acting like they were looking at someone
0: mm-hmm.
1: down the hallway. Mm-hmm. Went back, checked. Nobody's back there. Mm-hmm. They'd have to have gone, in any event, they would have had to have gone by myself or uh, my wife mm-hmm. to get back into the area they're talking about.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know... I don't know. Is is it a full blown human spirit attached to it? Mm-hmm. I don't know.
2: Yeah. You know, or I don't just some know. kind of residual floating around stuff. You know.
1: Right. I mean, I, I have no idea exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. But there is something going on with the mirror. Yeah. And you know, like I said, I'm gonna i I'm gonna throw the pics up and people can look at the thing and. It's it's essentially your mirror. Like I said, I I just wanted to use it. I wanted to evaluate it and see. And yeah. You know if you know I'm gonna let you handle that. If anybody wants to talk to Steve Hyde <laughs> about about oh. his mirror. You know, uh, I will do this though. I will throw in a. I think
2: I surrendered title to that mirror when I gave it to you. <laughs> I don't know. But I, uh,
1: you know, half of the mirror goes. You know, uh, I will freely throw in a blessed Saint Benedict because uh, uh, you you know what, folks, you're yeah. probably going to need it if you manage to talk Steve out of the mirror. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but but you know that's the thing about this. It'll
2: probably it'll probably be living in the Snap-on cabinet in my shop for a while.
1: <laughs> well but it seems to be more active at night. Mm-hmm. So that might be a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. you're probably not going to be, you know, yeah. around. But I don't know. You know, the thing is, we, we all we all just assume because of classic theology,
2: mm-hmm.
1: at least in the Christian world anyway, mm-hmm. you know, you die. You're going somewhere else immediately.
0: hmm you know, and that's
2: always been a real question to me, is because well, of obviously it kind of it kind of goes. It, it's interesting you bring up theology because of the different teachings. You see, in the Orthodox Church that I'm a member of, uh, it it states the older teaching that the heaven and hell and those things are not places so much as they are states of spiritual being.
0: Mm.
2: Um, if you know the, uh, the story of, of Lazarus in, in the sure. Old Testament the story of Lazarus and the beggar right. uh, you'll notice in that story that Lazarus was the rich man who was in hell right. and then at the same time though as he was having a conversation with the angel that he could see the other angels tending to the mm-hmm. poor man you know, the one with the sores all over him that he, he right. ignored so that wherever he was in hell that he could see, you know, from even from his vantage point, just way just just over there, right. he could see the other angels tending to the poor man, right. even though he was in spiritual hell. So I've always thought that, you know, the the spirits the, of, of deceased people and, and whatever else exists in the spirit world could could really be all around us. Uh, the original Christian teaching was is that whether they're in heaven or hell depends on what their spiritual state of being is mm-hmm. at the time um, if if they are in, in a spiritual way that they could see the fruits of heaven then they that's what they would be but if they were wicked people right. you know, then then you know once because of I've always heard from people like you know with the near death experiences that the closer they approach God the more that God's knowledge goes into their heart and then the closer they get to him is like they can see much more easily all the wrong things they did in their life and right. then they feel the compunction and the and the the remorse for that so a spirit that's in hell is you know, wandering around. It could be wandering around the earth, or could be some in this room. But they're in spiritual hell and torment because of.
1: Please note, I just looked around the room.
2: Yeah, we both did actually. Yeah. <laughs> and just, you know, just anyway, moment. that was, that was a, a, a random theological aside. But, but, uh, but
1: you, you know, <clears throat> no, I don't think that's. I think it's very pertinent. And the mm-hmm. reason being is, man, the book Man and His Symbols by Jung. Yeah. You know, we have only a finite way for us to interpret these things. Mm-hmm. And certainly the people that were writing this down in Scripture, mm-hmm. they're not writing this in a vacuum. No. They're writing this from experiences, yeah. from, uh, from, from, you know. They're the writing
2: from experience. They're writing from inspiration. inspiration. They're writing from any number of things. Right. Yeah.
1: So the only way for a person to express some of these things is through symbology. Mm-hmm. You know, what we can, I don't know, it's interesting how our mind works that you know, if you see like a crescent moon mm-hmm. and a star,
0: yeah,
1: okay, I know without even exp- you know explaining yeah. that a person who's uh Islam,
0: yeah, a Muslim, mm-hmm.
1: it means something very specific to that person. In fact, an entire concept or a group of concepts and thought mm-hmm. is. Conveyed from that symbol, the same a person with a crucifix or a cross,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or even you know the Standard Oil Company. If they, you know you see the sign, you know mm-hmm. uh, used to be uh, Amoco, yeah, American Oil Company, uh-huh. right? You see the sign and okay, well there's a history to to what this sign represents, and mm-hmm. I know about Amoco, mm-hmm. and they've got good gas, and yeah. you know that sort of thing. But yeah. that's, and I think that's the reason appetizers mm-hmm. pound people. that work so hard. On logos mm-hmm. is because our brain conceives the notion and the idea so much better mm-hmm. through symbology. Yeah. Remember, it, you were talking about the story with Lazarus, mm-hmm. and he said, "Oh, well, you know, just dip your finger, mm-hmm. so in, in some water, so a drop could, you know, rest on my tongue,
2: yeah. relieve
1: me for just a moment." Yeah. And he said, "I can't, you know, there's a gulf uh-huh. that exists between
2: the yeah. poor man." In you. In you. Yeah.
1: You know, so they're they're attempting to represent, you know, mm-hmm. this this yeah. separation.
2: Yeah. And ever since uh, early medieval Roman Catholicism, we've been conditioned to believe that those states were actual places.
1: Right.
2: Yeah. But but if you interpret in the early Christian teachings and and the way the Bible is written, you you would see that you know is they're speaking more of, of a condition of spirituality and acceptance. And that's what it goes. To me, from, from all of my own, own research on, on the ghost phenomenon and, and the spirit world, the best analogy I can say is the spirit world is like an ocean. And we in our current existence are like in a boat. Right. And we're sailing along this ocean. And we can stay in the boat and live our, life, live our lives happily, or we can decide that, well, I kind of wonder what's going on in the water.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's like somebody who wants to dabble in the spirit world. And the problem is, is that you don't know what's in the water until you jump in. That's
1: right.
2: And you can jump in and there may be nothing, which may be most of the time. Mm-hmm. Or you can jump in, there might be a couple of little cute fishes when you go, oh, that's kind of neat. Or the next time you jump in, there's a great white shark there. That's right. So, but the problem is, is that when you when you make the choice to dive into that, you don't know what's going to be there when you splash it in the water. Well, that's
1: always been, you know, the danger of the Ouija board. Yeah. And I've never really understood people's willingness, and especially mm. to allow kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I know some people are just absolutely old. Oh, this, you know, this game is based solely on, you know, these kids. It was- playing subconsciously yeah
2: and you hear the whole history of the Ouija board is like a clever marketing gimmick and all sorts of things but
1: but countless over and over again Mm
2: -hmm.
1: possessions yeah different things happen because you are in essence opening you know a door Uh and you have no idea you can't see who's coming in
0: yeah
2: and that's one thing that that really does strike you if you if you, if you read all the accounts of like the possessions and, and people dealing with the dark spirits is that it's very important that you do some sort of action or word or something that gives them permission to do what it is that they do. That's right. Like if you hear like the the case of the Annabelle doll or these haunted, other other hundred objects if you look at very early on in those stories, they did or said something that gave those spirits permission to do what they did. This the evil spirits don't barge in and start doing what they do. They're invited in. Mm-hmm. Sometimes then, unwittingly, unwittingly, but they're but they're always invited in yeah. by the people who suffer from their torments. And you'll see that time and time again from from these accounts.
1: Well in one case of possession, I think this was out of Connecticut or somewhere, yeah. the the, the spirit convinced it was a teenage girl that she had, the spirit had convinced her that it was the spirit of a deceased teenage boy Yeah. and you know she, she would retreat to her room she would use the Ouija board she would talk to this entity uh-huh. eventually the entity said hey can I come over and see you can I come visit you uh-huh. well you know she's at this point probably in several conversations so she uh-huh. says yes well, you know, once the permission was given,
0: yeah.
1: it really cut the, you know, it basically began destroying her family and the house once it mm-hmm. had permission to be there. Yeah. And really ceased talking to her after that. Mm-hmm. You know, because its entire agenda was to destroy uh-huh. her. Yeah. And, you know, and I think a lot of people are confused. And, 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 you know what, if you're out there, I get confused. People get confused because... You know, you have supposedly good entities, are human ghosts, and then mm-hmm. you have demonic ghosts
0: mm-hmm.
1: or demonic entities, rather. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know what the hell
2: yeah. you're dealing the with thing is, in any event. Yeah, and and that's why if if you're believers like us and you and you take scripture seriously, one of the things that the, that it really does propound on is that you are not to tamper with the spirit world. Right. I mean, I mean it's the, the warnings in the Bible are very explicit, and in the church are very explicit. said, that is one area you don't need to mess around with because you really don't know what you're dealing with. I mean, how many stories and accounts have we all read about people who mess with the Ouija boards or go to these so-called haunted locations where there's been demonic happenings going on, mm-hmm. and then... They'll some spirit will show up and say, "Oh, I'm the I'm the spirit of this little five year old girl named Sally or something like mm-hmm. that." And the investigators or the people dabbling in it just take that at face value. And they'll run and say, "Oh, here's the spirit of a five you know." it's right. And that that's it. could be lying to you. How would no you know? Idea. No yeah. idea
1: what that thing
2: yeah.
1: is. Yeah. And how would you know? Right. There's no way unless the spirit itself yeah. makes its intention known through its yeah. actions.
2: Yeah, you have no idea. It's like if 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 you follow the ghost thing, you've probably heard the the story of the Annabelle doll, the Raggedy Ann Raggedy right. Ann doll, that's supposedly now resides in the museum that used to be owned by. Um, Is
1: it John Zephyrs?
2: No, not John Zephyrs. Um, the husband. Oh, the Warrens. Of the Warrens, the Warrens Ed yeah, And Lorraine, Warren. Lorraine Warren. That's right. And I don't know if Zach Bagans may have. I don't know who ended up with that museum. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway it, it resides in that, or formerly resided in that museum. But anyway, it was uh, two college I think co ed girls who were in a an apartment or center or dorm yeah. room or something like that. One of them had got this uh, Raggedy Ann doll uh, from odd circumstances and they brought it in the apartment apparently a spirit got into it and it started like moving on its own. It would like change locations and they would actually like it would like see it turn its head or something like that. And one of the girls thought oh, it'll be kind of, just kind of harmless and cute, so we'll just kind of keep it around.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And they said that in the presence of the doll, and apparently that was all the cue that it needed to do what Go it was doing. Man. And and, hey. and eventually it showed itself to be demonic.
1: I need more Doritos yeah.
2: than you guys going out. Yeah, man, uh, and Lorraine Warren, I think, in their story said that uh, when they actually picked the doll up and put it in the back of the car to take it home, it actually tried to run the car off the road and kill them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he actually had to pull over and go over and, like, take a full bottle of holy water and, right. and do that, like, on the way home.
1: Uh, that was documented, I believe, in the book The Demonologist.
2: I believe so. I've got that book. Yeah. Right.
1: And it's, uh, I don't even, I can remember. They wrote another that.
2: book called Graveyard. I think it's in there, too. Okay.
1: Well, anyway, fortunately, we got off task. But the, but the silver mirror that we're talking about yeah. hasn't manifested.
2: Not on that level.
1: No, 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 mm-hmm. no. It hasn't, hasn't manifested anything like Man. that. But, you know, we're all about being real on the, our show. And, you know, just be careful out there. If you really don't know mm-hmm. what you're doing with these things.
2: Yeah. Let me relate to you a little. I've, I've had very little odd things happen in, in my picking expeditions. But I can relate to you one interesting story. If you like to hear odd stories, uh, around the area of Brooks and Sonoya and um, the, the rural areas around there, I went to an estate sale one time of a very, uh, I guess, late 60s, or early 70s build house, uh, typical wooden paneling, a lot of earth tones mm-hmm. in it. And, <coughs> it, excuse me, the, um, <coughs> pardon me. Um, the house was kind of arranged more like it was kind of like a triple white trailer in fact a manufactured home may have actually been what it was and uh, I remember going in there and looking around and there was a very open area in the middle of it where the kitchen was and there was like a little island out in the middle of this open space where they had some of the stuff laid out and I was going in there and was looking at the, the island looking at what they had laid out and between where I was looking on the island and on the other side of the island, there was like a little uh, area, and then there was the stove and everything and the, the covers everything against the wall. And one of the estate sale employees was down between the island and the counters. She was on her hands and knees on the floor and picking up stuff that was on the floor like, like coin change and forks and everything like that and uh, I was bent over and I was kind of looking at the things and just kind of looking at what she was doing and all of a sudden I could hear a little tink like that on the floor and it came from next to her and I kind of looked over and it was a penny hmm. and I said "Oh, well, that was kind of interesting
1: like it just dropped out of the air
2: yeah like it just kind of tink and there it was and the lady was, was just kind of looked at it and, said, hmm. and all of a sudden was, and while I was looking at this it happened again The tink and that that time, I actually saw a penny bounce next to her, and she looks at it up, and then she looks over and looks up at me and said, "Oh, you're doing that." And I said, uh, "No, I'm not doing anything." And when she said that, that it kind of startled me. And then I was I was kind of bent over the the little island looking at the, the the stuff on there, so I stood up and straightened up. And I'm a fairly tall person, about six and a half feet tall. So there was a chandelier kind of light that was directly over the island in that little mm-hmm. kitchen area. And I straighten out and I look around and there's literally nobody within about 15 or 20 feet of us, me and this lady that was on the floor in any direction. The, the room, that the whole area was empty except for the two of us. And right when I straightened up into my full height, my head was right next to this little chandelier that was over the, the uh, island. And I just happened to look, and I looked because it was right there, and I just looked over it, and right in the middle of that chandelier, clear as day, I saw a penny materialize from the middle of that chandelier and launch itself toward that lady on the floor.
0: Wow.
2: I mean, I literally did, like, all of a sudden just, zing. I'd like it just materialized out of thin air right around the, the vicinity of that chandelier and just zinged itself at an arc toward the mm-hmm. floor where that lady was and uh it it was kind of one of those things like uh seeing that silhouette out of that tent you know just my mind just kind of freezes while it's trying to process what it is it just saw and it's
1: this estate said was the person recently deceased
2: probably so i don't know any details about it is but usually they're they're either recently deceased or they were moved to a home that's typically the situation
1: if you know I've, i've heard similar things yeah when people were recently deceased, especially if the person really loved their home yeah. and everything, and then suddenly, you know, the people are in the house taking possessions away, yeah, and it it well, yeah, there's all
2: these people around, right? Cause of yeah. a
1: very negative sort of reaction if yeah. there's a spirit there,
2: yeah, yeah. And uh, I saw that, and then I just kind of backed away out of the kitchen and just kind of mose mose kind of moseying around the rest of the house and then I left and got the heck out of there but uh, that was the one incident that I can recall of all my pickings that something really strange happened and that lady was on the floor picking up stuff all the floor so I don't know if she was picking stuff that was had been tossed there by this thing before or what was going on You know, or this thing was just constantly throwing stuff on the floor and this lady was bending down picking them up I don't know what was going on but that was probably by far the oddest thing that I've experienced in my well, antique and collectible travels.
1: You know, hey, uh, that's like the infield poltergeist. Yeah. You know, you got things that are materializing and shooting across the room yeah. and stuff disappearing. I mean, he, who's to say? Yeah. I mean, because that's
2: to, to me, that's beyond footsteps and whispers. I mean, that's oh, yeah. that's that's something that's able to materialize objects. You know, transporter. I forget the the ghost people have a have a term for that things that uh, disappear and then materialize somewhere else. Uh, I'm having a senior moment. I can't think of all these terms like I used to. But there there's a name for that phenomenon.
1: I don't know teleportation.
2: Could be yeah teleportation yeah.
1: yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I've, I've never <coughs> had anything like that in my life. But uh, once. Uh, one of our mutual friends. He had a little cabin, mm-hmm. and he lived in it for, for many years. And it was a rustic mm-hmm. sort of little cabin. It was, in fact, pre Civil War uh, down there, and it had been lived in for many decades. And uh, it was it was done up nicely. The wood was original <coughs> and had nice grain in it. Mm-hmm. And it, when you stepped into the cabin, you felt like you had stepped into another time period.
0: Yeah.
1: Well. <coughs> Lynn and I were coming back from somewhere over towards the western part of the state, and as we were going, it was on the way, and I said, you know, you've never seen this cabin. I I said, let me, you know, pick your cell phone up, and I'll call him and see if he minds, if he's there, if we just stop by for a minute, just so you can see all the stuff on the walls and the construction inside the cabin, you know? And I did manage to get him, and he said, yeah, sure, you know, I'm not there, doors are open, just, drag up go in and take a look around so we got there and uh, got out of my truck <clears throat> and we went to the door but it's just <clears throat> getting dark mm-hmm. and you know it's almost like twilight you know we were there and it's still a little bit of light so we can see to get in but it didn't have a flashlight with me in the truck or anything mm-hmm. so I said okay That's fine, we'll go in and I'll find the light switch we'll cut the thing on so that you can just look at the the cabin. Now the cabin was very simple. Two big rooms in the north end of the cabin, uh, in one of the rooms they had made a bathroom. Mm -hmm. The other portion of the room had had been turned into like a little open floor plan bedroom and the front was the same way with uh, what had been one time been a cooking chimney there, Uh you know. uh, And it divided the kitchen area from the living room area, very simple. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I went in, it was very dark. And I started feeling around and trying to find the light switch. Well, I kept on going and it was dark and I just really could not see well. And the thing you have to understand is she was behind me because I was more familiar with the location Mm -hmm. and she was following me in. Mm -hmm. I went in and finally I was re- got to the separation, the wall that separated the back bedroom area from the front living room area.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm feeling trying to find the light switch. Then I, there was a whisper in my ear, in in my, I don't know, I mean, I just, I assumed it was lean. Mm-hmm. And it said, I smell humans. Well, I didn't make a comment at that time. You know, I was just like, in my mind, it's like, of course you smell humans. You know, I say, what does she mean by that? I right. was kind of spelling it around in my head, you know, huh? So we kept going, and finally I gave up, and it, I was wrong. It had actually been moved, like, with conduit up over over to the chimney. Mm-hmm. So I would just gone to the wrong wall mm-hmm. where I, I, I would have, you know, found it so finally I told her I said look it's too dark I can't see we don't have a flashlight I said we'll just have to come back another day so we we leave exit go get out in my truck and I shut the door back and we're heading up the road we're finally heading towards home we get down the road and she's sitting over there in uh, the other side of the truck and I I just looked at her and I said what did you mean by that And you know typically what I mean by what I said, what you said to me inside the house. Uh-huh. She said, I didn't tell you, say anything to you in the house. I said, come on. You whispered into my ear. You told me I smell humans. And she said, I never even went in the house. I said, what? Didn't you come in when I was looking for No. She said, I, I stayed at the door. Uh-huh. So, you know. Finally, I mean, the cold chill went down the spine. After that, it was like, well, wait a minute. If you didn't walk into the house with me, somebody, something, whispered into my ear, I smell humans. Mm. You know, later on, though, I find out, because I didn't know at that time, that, oh, yeah, uh, there's stuff that goes on there, you know, footsteps, Mm. different things. Of course, he's, he's deceased now. My friend was, but, uh, you know, what kind of explanation because, you know, she's very much, she's a science person, Mm -hmm. got her doctorate you know, she's very very based in logic and reality Mm -hmm. and, you know, when she told me that, I knew, I mean, she's she's not a practical joker, she's not a person that Mm -hmm. but the thing that puzzled me more than anything was why I smell humans Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, the, the first question that just entered my mind is, well, uh, what are you?
0: Yeah.
1: If you, you know, what the, what the heck? What mm-hmm. is this thing that's doing this mm-hmm. I don't know.
2: Yeah. You can ghost smell? Well, you
1: know, obviously, I, I don't
2: know. I, yeah. I
1: generally wear, you know, that Jeanette Quick gel or whatever it is, <laughs> and I, I take a bath once, twice a day, you know. Yeah. I try very hard not to to be (laughs) fragrant, you know, but I I didn't think that day that I had any kind of B.O. or anything. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just, you know, the amazing thing is, is we're living in this world and it's like you you alluded to being in a ship and you're out at sea and you just really don't.
2: Yeah. If you jump in that water, you don't know what's going to be there when you jump in. That's right. It could be a goldfish. It could be a whale shark. Sure could. Yeah. It could
1: be something pretty nasty.
2: Yeah, definitely could.
1: Well, I don't know. I guess we probably need to call the dogs on this one and yeah. uh, give the folks a break. We hope that you've enjoyed the show. We hope that you continue to tune in to Anecdotal Notes. Mm-hmm. And we appreciate, again, all the cards and letters. And, you know, once we, I think we may just go ahead and devote an entire show to a mailbag and start doing that sort of thing where we... Uh, entertain questions through email and just look forward you know as we polish and get ourselves really acclimated to interrelating with you through this medium you know we're going to get better we're going to get more polished and I I just foresee in the future that we're going to be able to have some call-in shows and and some things that allow you to actively participate you know I, I would love to have a ghost story show and just, mm. you know, have people call in. And that would be fun. Right, and share that sort of thing. Have a Bigfoot show. Do, uh-huh. do the things that lots of other people do,
0: uh-huh.
1: you know, and, and allow people who've had paranormal experiences that, that you know, for, for instance, Bigfoot experiences or whatever, you won't just immediately be kicked off of the show if mm. you, you know, say, you know. Uh, well, you know. Within reason. (laughs) (laughs) Within reason. But but anyway, yeah, we appreciate you guys so much for tuning in. Absolutely. And uh, tune in next week, and we're going to talk about another topic from the world of the paranormal. Mm -hmm. Thank you again from your host, Steve Hyde.
2: Take care, all all of you in the interwebs.
1: And Pat Aiken. Thank you. Have a good evening. Good night.